Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light. Today, we'll be talking to John Beckman from DMB Martial Arts about unarmed self-defense and proper mindset. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by your friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor covers they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the Range Tech Shot Timer. A shot timer is a critical tool to measure performance, and no credible fire instructor hosts a class without one. Range Tech Timer is both the most affordable and most feature-rich shot timer on the market. Connected via Bluetooth to a tablet on the firing line to simplify recording times and sharing them with your students. Range Tech also features Bluetooth integration with practice score and built-in auto scoring based on USPSA, IDPA, multi-gun, or steel challenge scoring schemes. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Today, we're joined by instructor John Beckman from DMB Martial Arts. Welcome, John. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences with the listeners. Before we dive in, can you give our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, it's 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 a long background that takes, you know, spans around 25 years. Uh, started in the martial arts when I was about 12 years old on an inkling, I guess, that my mom said, hey, you need to get into this. Uh, got into it, stayed in a year or two, got out, got back into it later on, got out, got back into it when I was 35 and decided, you know, this is uh, something that I want to pursue as far as a hobby and also as a business. Uh, so we've been in, you know, I've had a, had two schools now. This is my second school uh, that I've had. And it's one that I enjoy teaching. I've told everybody that I do, and similar probably to a lot of instructors you you actually interview, is I'm going to do it until I don't enjoy it anymore. And I'm still enjoying it. That's good. And you do both the unarmed self-defense as well as uh, um, both you and your partner recently went through and did the NRA uh, basic pistol uh, instructor course also, right? Yeah, we went, we went to expand our business from not only uh, unarmed self-defense, but also have the ability to teach the armed self-defense also. Well, that's good. And I think most of our listeners out there could probably identify that the more the, the more area you cover as an instructor, the better off you are because it's those, uh, you know, when one thing slow down or one thing picks up, however you want to look at it, it gives you the ability to shift gears and be able to work in a different area and still keep the business running uh, and firing on all cylinders. So that's great. Well, again, welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate it. And just in case anybody uh, caught this to begin with, uh, John is my brother. I've known him for my entire life. <laughs> so you don't need to email me like, wow, you had people on with the same last name as you have. No, that was intentional because he uh, does the unarmed self-defense uh, very well, which is going to be our topic for uh, today. And one of the things that everybody realizes uh what the firearm trainers uh, podcast is we do firearms majority of the time we've talked about marketing we've talked about self-defense but so far in all our 100 plus episodes we haven't talked about unarmed self-defense especially when it comes to training and what can be done with that and one of the big uh 
things for that is is uh, unlike a gun that you can pick up and as long as you point it down range um it will go bang and will strike whatever you're pointing at uh when it comes to unarmed you've got to have a little bit of skill and you got to have a little bit of um of uh practice when it comes with it so that you can actually go along and defend yourself now and that's from you know whether you're 10 years old or if you're 90 years old right john yeah it's it's one that you know to get a f- proficient at it it's just like anything else you have to continue to train and train and train and it doesn't stop mm-hmm. well what's what's the basis of uh your uh, unarmed self-defense we start teaching your students how to go along and avoid it can you can you describe to our audience about what you tell your students when the reason for avoidance over going along going toe-to-toe with somebody and see who's the better person the, be- well, the better you know, fighter if you take the art of taekwondo it's what I, what i teach it's a self-defense in itself and in that it it presents a one of you don't actually attack someone you're only defending yourself and you're only defending yourself. If that's the last resort, you're, you're always taking the, I can get out of here before I have to do something. It's a situational awareness saying I better go this way instead of that way. So telling students that, you know, you could be on a playground and somebody starts pushing you, calling you a name. There's a way out of this. You don't have to get upset and cause yourself bodily harm or somebody else bodily harm because you feel that it was wrong for them to call you names. It's one of you need to stay away from it and avoid situations that could get you in trouble or cause uh, a injury to yourself or someone else. What is the age range of students that you teach? We teach uh, from ages five and up. You know, our oldest student is uh, close to 60. Okay. And when it comes to the, um, Taekwondo and the unarmed, uh, self-defense, what kind, what kind of, uh, does it, do you teach the, you know, five-year-old how to defend themselves against somebody who's a 10-year-old who, you know, might be that bully on the playground that might not just, uh, allow them to walk away. Do you give them some basic skills on how to go along and defend themselves against that? What we have is what we call one steps and then self-defense one steps are, are a, simulation of somebody actually grabbing you either by the hand or by the shoulders or the leg. Uh, and we actually show them, okay, somebody grabs you by the hand. Here's what you would do. You know, we, we have ones where if somebody punches at you, what do you do? You know, we have situations that we put them in to where they actually see what the self-defense is. It's not so much a one of, you know, Hey, you're going to get attacked and here's what you do. It's let's make this, more of a second nature to you so it becomes an automatic thing when you're when you're growing up mm-hmm. so for the five-year-old they're learning some good life skills for the teenager they you know when they're out by themselves and and you know kind of, you know experiencing life more they can also take those skills as well as say a 60 year old senior citizen where they might be uh, attacked just because of how they look and their age. Um, somebody younger, more fit may come up to them and you're teaching them how to defend themselves against somebody coming up behind them or somebody coming up and trying to, um, you know, push them down Do those types of things. Is that correct? We're doing that, but we're also teaching them that they have to be aware of what's going on around them instead of that, you know, 
just that nature of just walking around and not knowing what's going on around you. You know, I could give you a story of, you know, a sister-in-law that said, I'm going to California and people have told me what to do. And I said, what's that? And they said, make sure when you're going down there that you look down, don't look anybody in the eye. And I said, wrong. You know, it's one where if they see that you're watching them, they're less likely to try to do something because now you can identify them. Now you know what's going on and you can avoid it. And that's that's the whole thing about, you know, unarmed self-defense is avoidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings up the, when you were talking about keeping your eyes up, you know, that was one of the big topics that one of our podcast guests previously, Gary Quisenberry had talked about was you don't go, get in a staring contest with them, but you, d- you right. definitely make sure that you're seeing where they are and what they're doing, different things along those lines, where their hands are, what they, what they might be carrying and those types of things. Because if you can see them moving toward you, it gives you the ability more time to take, take, um, you know, to react to it so that you're not, not as close or is that you duck into a, a store really quick. And the two books that he's written were, uh, were very good books to, uh, read and similar to, uh, to that, but they, they were on situational awareness. Uh, the, the two books were, uh, when you get into, uh, besides the, uh, one steps, what are the, what kind of other self-defense are you teaching people? Well, you know, we, we actually, offer a women's self-defense course where we actually go through a two-hour program to where we teach teach them simple stuff stuff that they don't have to have to remember i mean if you take our class we want you to remember it we teach you the more difficult moves but let's really get down to it not every person wants to take martial arts so what they what we do is take it and break it down to where it's something that they don't have to remember. It's one move and it gets them out of a situation, but we make them aware. And I, I'll keep saying, saying the situational awareness because it's so important, not only in martial arts, but in everything that you do, that you know what's around you and how to avoid things. Yeah, we probably have all um, been around somebody who was in a car that went along and said, all of a sudden, boom, you know, car came out of nowhere. And we've probably also been in a car where we've looked and we've seen all of a sudden, you know, the car in front of us, um, went through a red light, hit another car or, or got hit by a car that was going because they weren't aware of what was going on around them. And that's where distracted driving, uh, comes in. And you could also probably call it distracted walking. If you are sitting there with your face down in your phone, if you're not watching what the people are going around you, uh, you know, let's face it. That's how pickpockets work. You know, they go along, they, they figure out a way of distracting you or whatever you're doing is distracting. And then they're able to come up, bump into you, take your wallet, take your purse, do different things along those lines. And then you're, you're left, uh, you know, without money, without credit cards, ID, all those kind of things that we all know in modern day life makes life very, very, very challenging. That situational awareness, um, you know, walking around in condition yellow is extremely uh, important for people to know and, and understand. Sometimes people might call it paranoid, but at the end of the day, if you're just a little bit paranoid about the people that are walking up around you that you don't know, it's probably a good thing. You know, if you're paranoid about your family, you probably need either need to get a new family or um, you've got to come down a couple levels and not be so uh, paranoid about the people that you already do know. You know, it's something that, you know, when we talk women's self-defense, one of the first things we 
tell the uh, the women that take the class is, you know, if you go out, do you wear high heels? You know, those high heels are going to hurt you because if you need to run, you aren't going to be able to run in those. At least I don't, I haven't seen anybody really run real fast in those. And we also tell them, you know, Hey, when you go grocery shopping, do you put your uh, food in the, your canned goods in the back of the car with your face going right into the truck trunk, or do you sort of stand to the side to where you can sort of see everything that's coming either way? It's, it's one of getting them aware of things. You know, they may not remember all the moves that we do, but there's things that they will remember that they do almost every day, whether it's going shopping, whether it's staying at home and knowing that if that doorbell rings, I want to make sure that I ask for an ID. And if somebody does break into the home, knowing that anything that's in that house becomes a weapon to you, you can pick up an ashtray, you can pick up a canned good, you can pick up anything in your house and make it a weapon. Mm -hmm. And the one, one thing, uh, yeah, I teach in self-defense classes, um, you know, crime prevention classes is, you know, one thing people got to realize that probably everybody who is on this or listening to this podcast is a very selfish, uh, selfless person where they go out and would help anybody. But when it comes to criminals and the people that would victimize people, they're very selfish. And because of that, they will break in. They don't worry about, you know, how much damage they create or how much they might, you know, wreck your day or wreck your life because they're selfish. They just want one thing and one thing only, you know, that, that could be your, your money, your car, uh, your credit cards, you know, you know, every, things along those lines. And that's where you need to realize that if things go to, you know, using Colonel Cooper's color codes to red, you've got to be ready to, you know, fight or flight. And that's where, like you were saying, canned goods, ashtrays, um, um umbrellas, even your fingernails, uh, become very critical, uh, for your self-defense because it, when you go along and say that criminals are selfish, you also got to realize that them being selfish means if you start taking a chunk out of their arm or start biting their ear or scratching their eyes out, they're going to be very um, much in self-preservation mode where they're going to get their butts out of there and stop them. Um, some people might say, well, that would just encourage them to hurt you more. But at the same time, guess what? Would you rather be hurt a little bit or hurt a lot? Because after you take a couple chunks out of somebody, I'm pretty sure the fight's going to be, um, they're going to be less motivated to, uh, be fighting you than getting away and getting patched up from whatever you've scratched or kicked or, um, you know, dug out of their, out of them. Well, you got, you got the, uh, you know, when you talk that way, you get their, their self selfless nature of saying, you know, we've had women ask, well, if I, if I hurt them, do I have to call the police? And it's like, I tell them it's, your life or their life, and your life is more important. And if you get away, call the police in. Don't worry about it until that time, and don't worry about how 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 bad you hurt them if they're trying to hurt you. Yep. Well, as I go along and explain very simply, you know, they go along with, well, you know, I wouldn't want to hurt them. And I tell them, think about one thing and one thing only. That person is preventing you from seeing your kids, period. Right. That, that's her, that's her intention. If that doesn't go along, get your, get the mama bear blood boiling very quickly to where you're going to get willing to do anything and, and everything in order to get through that person and get to your kids. Um, I don't know what will, but that's the one thing that people need to realize that you're not being rude just because you yelled at somebody you're 
you're being rude to them and yelling at them because they're posing a threat to you because you want to make sure you, you see them the next day and get back to your family and get to, uh, enjoying life the way you want it to and not on their, their terms. So great, great things. Any other improvised tools or things that you, uh, go along and teach your students? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the, st the students, uh, go through and we improvise a lot of different things. And, you know, the one thing we, we, we do, we, we call what we call a circle game. And in that circle game, you know, you're presented with different, different, uh, areas that somebody might attack you. Somebody might grab your arm without you seeing it. And you have to sort of pretend what you're going to do. And I always throw the, uh, the scenario in like, Hey, that just didn't work. What are you going to do now? Because so many people rely on one thing and one thing only. And that goes for, for, uh, weapon, you know, guns also, because what happens if you have somebody 10 feet in front of you, you shoot and miss them. And now they're right on top of you. Guess what? You might not be able to fire that gun, but you still have two arms, two legs and a head that you can defend yourself with. Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach them that don't just limit yourself to what you learn here, but be able to improvise and make the adjustment to what happens. Yeah. We, as firearm users, concealed carry holders, you know, you, know, you got to realize that, and we, we all know there are places where we can't carry that, you know, we are, you know, you know, in an airport on a plane, we're in a police station, we're at a school, different places where we're prohibited by law from doing that. And that's where we need to go along and think about, okay, what is a good, good improvised, you know, maybe we're, we're able to go along and carry a knife or carry pepper spray uh, in order to go along and fend off an attack. Or if we can't carry any of those, maybe we just got, like you said, two arms, two legs and a head that we can go along and do some damage. And the one thing you got to realize too is, you know, is it going to hurt if you punch somebody is, are you going to see uh, stars? If you whack somebody their head with your head? Yeah. On the flip side of it, you know, what's the other choice? Other choices go along, allow them to uh, decide the tempo and decide what they're going to do to you, which is probably going to hurt a lot more than if you go along and just uh, um, uh, decide to attack them and get them to where they don't want to have any more part of you. And, you know, you can always get the paramedics to patch you up a little bit, a uh, bruise on the forehead or, you know, some cracked knuckles is one thing, but it's a whole nother one when they can drag you or kidnap you and do all kinds of uh, other things to you. Like, like I, like I tell people, you know, if you have a weapon, know how to use it. If you go into a situation where you don't know how to use that weapon, that weapon becomes a weapon against you now. So that mm -hmm. goes with, you know, we, we talk about pepper spray a lot. And as, as well as pepper spray works, you have to be ready to spray that thing. And if you have it pointed the wrong way, you're spraying it right back at yourself. So mm -hmm. that's where, you know, you have to know how to use what, you, what you've got in front of you proper training, you know, on stun guns, on your firearms, on your pepper spray, uh, all those things are extremely important. Um, in fact, if you're going to use pepper spray, I would encourage you to get training and at least get sprayed once with it. So you know what the feeling is because you can talk to yep. a lot of law enforcement officers and when they try to go along and use pepper spray, some because of it gets, gets on them either because they're wrestling with the person or it comes back on, on them. And that's where you want you want to know what it feels like and know that you can fight through it. It's right. yeah, it will, it will definitely uh, not be fun, but at the same time as you can fight through it and the perpetrator can't fight through it, that's a good thing. And also realize too, all those things have a, a certain, 
um, a, uh, criminals have a certain ability. If they've been pepper sprayed before or stunt or, uh, gotten stunned before that they may not be, you know, completely immobilized as we kind of like to see on TV. And that's where, you know, going along and being able to step up the force up to and including, you know, using a firearm or using a knife, knowing what to do. If that person's on drugs or has an emotional, uh, you know, is so high on emotions that they don't feel things, then they definitely could. And, uh, you know, will take a lot more to, uh, stop their attack with it. But, Again, as uh, you know, legal uh, citizens, or responsible citizens, we've got to go along and be able to persevere in those uh, situations and survive because we got a family that depends on us. Right. So. You know, we go through class, and you know, a lot of people uh, know form, know different forms, and forms are great. Uh, and what I try to tell tell people is that when they do a form, they're actually doing a pretend fight. They're actually attacking a shadow, you know, and knowing what they're doing on each move is so important because if you can't see it, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you don't know what you're doing, when you have to use it, you won't know, you won't be able to use it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, the uh, forms become that much more important to understand and to practice because that's what you're going to use when you really need, need to know what's going on. Well, I think it goes to the old adage where they say the body won't, will, will not go where the mind hasn't been before. If you haven't gone through and imagined, okay, what am I going to do when I'm sitting down in this restaurant? You know, that's one form of preparation, but same thing as you're you know, going through the forms. If I haven't gone along and figured out how to go, go in and block a punch and return it, you know, I'm not all of a sudden when I get a punch thrown at me and say, wow, this is probably the best way of doing it. No, I need to have that already memorized in the back of my mind saying, okay, I see a punch coming and I instinctively go along and deflect it and then do my own punch uh, at the same time. Well, so many times we, we get in situations where you, it's either uh, fight or flight. And, you know, part of that, when I tell people is, if you're in a situation where you don't feel comfortable, start putting scenarios together. Okay, if this person attacks me, I'm going to do this. If this person attacks me, I'm going to do this. Sort of get your mind ready for it so that when if you ever do have to use it, you're prepared and you know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I think uh, what you're talking about there is, you know, just like we talk about with a basic concealed carry course, it doesn't teach you a whole heck of a lot. But as you get into the advanced levels of uh, concealed carry, you start running through those scenarios about what would I do if somebody was in my hallway at my house or somebody would go along and all of a sudden, you know, start, you know, shooting at me in a grocery store, those types of things to really get the mind prepared for, you know, what would I do? Because in a lot of those situations, Hollywood's great in the movies they produce, but the best situation, (laughs) a lot of those. It's not to stand still and, and dive across the counter and try to shoot when you're in, in the middle of the air and do all those other kind of things. Sometimes the best thing is to get cover and then from there be able to go along and you know put down good uh, defensive fire if it's appropriate at that time. Obviously, if they ran out the door after they made the shots, you don't need to do anything more. But it's a um, it, it's a mindset that you've really got to prepare for. Right. I mean, you can't fight two people at the same time, so you have to you have to line them up to where one's behind the other and always fight the, the person that is the smaller person, the easier one in front first before you attack a more uh, competitive or larger person, not saying anything about size, but you know, sometimes size 
does bring brings different scenarios together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to realize. Definitely. Oh, that's where the training comes in. So, well, Hey John, um, question we've been asking all our guests this year is, do you have a book or instructor that you would recommend to other instructors that they should read or take some training from? I'll tell you what, I, I, I've read this book. Uh, it's helped me in a lot of different areas of my life. It's called the power of habit. And it basically tells you about habit itself. You know, that when people talk about having a habit of doing, you know, Hey, I walk to the store every day. You know, that's a habit. If you do it enough, you could probably do it blindfolded. But what people don't realize is you can't get rid of a habit. What happens with it is it gets overwritten and you have to overwrite that habit. And that's why when you talk about doing things, whether it's, you know, firing gun, whether it's martial arts, it's a habit that you, you have what, no matter what your previous habits were, it's what lays on top of your brain. That's the habit. That habit's the one that's going to take, take place. You know, they gave a good illustration in this book of someone that didn't, didn't have much uh, upstairs as far as dementia. And he wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed going out of the house without somebody else walking him around the block. One day he uh, got out because his wife had to go do something real quick. He said, hold on a second, walked out. They called the police. They called everyone trying to find out where he was. They went around the neighborhood. They came back to the house and he was inside and they could tell where he was because they used to always pick pine cones up and he would put, he put, he had pine cones next to his chair. So the power habit took him around that same course that he was on in his walking path. So when we talk about what habits do we have, know that any habits can be changed, but it's never gone. It's overwritten. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's, that's a very good book. And we'll have that in the show notes for anybody who'd like to check out that book. Well, where can instructors find out more information about you and your company? You can go on d-bmartialarts.com. That's on the web. You can go to DMB Martial Arts on the Facebook. And we also have DMB Martial Arts on Instagram. Uh, we like, we like showing as much out there as we can. Uh, we're always willing to talk to anyone about martial arts. Uh, you know, we're, we're readily available a phone call away. Okay. Super. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode. And we have a few requests visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering, and your entries do not carry over from week to week. This week's podcast winner is Edwin E., and they want a ready-up gear, spark flashlight. Next week, we are giving away a Flight 93 commemorative ball cap, great for the range or just hanging out. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to be entered in for this week's prize giveaway. There's only a couple weeks left for the early bird pricing for the Guardian Conference on September 17th and 19th in Oklahoma City for an opportunity to train with some of the best trainers in the nation. Price includes breakfast and lunch. I plan to be there as well as many of the guests you've heard on this podcast before. If you're worried about ammo, they have ammo for conference attendees also that you can purchase. Go to guardianconference.com for more information. Remember to check out our website 
You can search for various topics for marketing and instructor training at farmtrainerpodcast.com, or you can leave us a comment on the website on any episode. Please share our podcast on social media so other instructors can get the same great information you are getting. Trainers need to constantly keep up on information, and I believe our podcast is focused on doing just that. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fireman's Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me, me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.